office, they type it in, you give them your fingerprints, they do database checks. Uh, if you've never been in the country before, you'll probably show up clean. And then within a day, you are stamped for release on your own recognizance and you're put on a bus or a plane uh, to the city of your choice. He went on to say some throw away their ID cards and claim asylum to get into the U.S. He also said that when an immigrant is arrested, immigration and customs enforcement is to be called, but that in the sanctuary cities they aren't called. They are released and are free to do crime again and again. He said some get temporary work permits or get on the public welfare system. Baby Olivia is visiting schools. Here's AFN's Charlie Butts. Baby Olivia is the title of a short film that shows the development of a child from the point of conception until birth. It was developed by the pro-life group Live Action, and spokeswoman Christina Bennett tells AFN pro-abortion folks are just a bit upset. Unfortunately, there are some pro-abortion activists and their allies who are threatened by the reality that we are educating people about life in the womb. And because it was made through live action, although, of course, it's medically accurate. Live action consulted with doctors to make sure they were providing factual information. But opponents often criticize the organization because it is one of the most active pro-life groups in the nation. The way that we counter this is continuing to do what we do, which is speak the truth. And educate people on the reality of human life. And we know that there will be naysayers and there will be people who are misinformed, but we're going to continue to speak irregardless of their opinion because we have the truth on our side. And also the legislature of one state. North Dakota is now presenting the film in schools and live action is encouraging lawmakers in other states to provide the film in health and sex education classes. The Storm Prediction Center says critical fire weather conditions exist today for portions of the Texas Panhandle into north-central Oklahoma. Ongoing fire activity in the Texas Panhandle will be exposed to increasing winds through the day. Tomorrow, parts of south Texas and the Rio Grande Valley could be at risk with gusty winds and low humidity. However, widespread fire weather concerns are not expected. For American Family News, I'm Robert Thornton. The Bachelor of Arts in Christian Ministry at Wesley Biblical Seminary is the perfect opportunity to prepare for God's calling on your life. It's easy to make excuses why you can't pursue what God has called you to do. But this program removes those barriers, flexible class options, an affordable cost, and highly trusted professors. WBS is the school for you, and now is the time to take a next step and prepare for God's calling on your life. Learn more at wbs.edu. That's wbs.edu. The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, good Tuesday afternoon. I'm Jim Stanley sitting in for the great Burt Harper. I know, sometimes I sit in for the great Alex McFarlane, too. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's a 50-50 shot at who's going to be great on any given day. But, Alex, I know you're struggling a little today, so we'll be praying for you about that and pray for your quick restoration. But nonetheless, it's my privilege to be with you this afternoon. Well, it's good to have you. Thank you. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good, you know, and uh, God is good. Um, one thing, traveling and speaking and being on the radio every day, 
you don't want to catch a cold and get a sore throat. Right. And I, we were talking about last week at uh, NRB, so many of our friends, Bert Harper included, uh, got a little under the weather. And uh, anyway, we're praying for them. But we had a great day yesterday, folks. This is Exploring the Word, and we're going through the book of Judges in the Old Testament. Yesterday, Jeff Shambly was with us and had a really good time talking about the uh, the leadership of Abimelech, a pretty ruthless guy. And um, Judges 9 concluded, Jim, it was amazing, that uh, here's this guy who executed 70 of his brothers, Abimelech. Now that is brutal. Killed people, and the men of Shechem feared him greatly. And yet in a battle, Abimelech was killed because a woman dropped a huge rock over the wall of a fort on his head. And uh, in his final words, not a godly leader, he said, run me through with a sword so people don't say that I was killed by a woman. (laughs) And yet, 3,400 years later, we still remember that Abimelech was killed by a woman. Right. (laughs) But uh, judges, Jim, it's, it's a great story of God raising up leaders, and the Israelites were preserved, even in the face of opposition like the Midianites and others. But there were godly leaders, there were ungodly leaders. Uh, It's kind of like that sometimes today still, isn't it? It sure is. And you know, in the first uh, five verses of the 10th chapter of Judges, we go through two kings pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, and... um, we talk about exploring the word that a lot of times we are taking a bird's eye view of, of a chapter or of a book so that we can move through it and, and keep, you know, uh, basically make sure we look at and dig into the, to don't want, I always get in this trap, Alex, don't want to say any part of the word of God is unimportant, but some is more fruitful than other parts, if you will. Sure, sure. And so here these two guys rule for some 45 years between them, and it's simply recorded they died. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, that that's something said about their 45 years of rule, but also the span of which the book of Judges covers and how in-depth it goes to to talk about the children of Israel and the things they walked through during this time. Yeah, we've got these, sometimes they're called minor judges, uh, Tola, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and Jair, J-A-I-R, Tola judges 23 years, he died, like like you say, just very, um, you know, brief here. We really don't know a lot about him. And then Jair, a, a Gileadite, 22 years, so we're talking 55 years, Jair died and was buried in Cammon um, does say that he had 30 sons mm-hmm. who rode on 30 donkeys, and they also had 30 towns, which are called Havoth Jair to this day, which are in the land of Gilead. So um, Jair very probably was, uh, in fact, definitely a polygamist and had multiple wives to have all of those, those sons. But here's a phrase that we see. It's kind of a recurrent phrase beginning there at verse 6. Then the children of Israel again 
did evil in the sight of the Lord Mm. and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, Moab, the gods of the people of Ammon, the gods of the Philistines, and they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. All in that one verse, Jim, there is a grocery list of evil, false religion, Mm -hmm. demonic idols. I mean, it's almost as if they wanted hit everything on the punch list of apostasy. Well, and and when we talk about the gods they worshipped, you know, you look at Chemosh, and and if I pronounce that correctly, and Molech, you know, we've heard of Molech because there were the sacrifices of babies to Molech and the sacrifices of, of different people, and we hear about that. And then the Philistine gods were uh, Dagon and Belzebub. That's a name mm. that's familiar. And Goodness. then uh, Ashtoreth, uh, that was a, a city and goddess. And you're right. I mean, it's like they, they wanted to pick the most offensive things that stood for death to rail against God. Does that sound familiar? Well, it really does. I mean, and let me say this, folks. This is the story of ancient Israel, and, and I don't want to extrapolate too much, but you can't help but see the parallels the United States of America um, clearly was founded on biblical principles. Uh, Jim, we were in Washington, and this is probably about three years ago, and there was Bert and Tim Wildman, and a lot of us were up there, and we had the privilege of, of taking a tour of the Capitol with David Barton. And there in the rotunda of the Capitol, there's a carving of Moses and the Ten Commandments, uh, statuary hall. Uh, which is right off of the Capitol Rotunda. Well, for one thing, uh, there's a statue of Roger Williams, a Baptist preacher, founded uh, Rhode Island. And one by one, David Barton took us to all these statues of the founders and just told these incredible things about their their Christianity and wanting to weave biblical principles into um, our government. And in, in the Capitol... And I'll tell you where I'm going with this here in a second, folks. But there, there are all these paintings by a, a famous artist called Trumbull. And these paintings are 8 feet by 15 feet, these rectangular paintings, the, the scenes of the American Revolution and uh, the prayer meetings as our nation was birthed. Well, there's one painting where in, in the painting is a Bible. And David Barton is telling the story of how as they were beginning to write the Constitution, they had ministers give sermons and read from the Bible, and David Barton holds up, and he says, this is that Bible. He had the very Bible that's in this particular painting. Mm. But here's my point. From such a godly founding and the, the gospel, the presence of Christianity, and a solidly biblical moral foundation which made our nation great and prosperous for two centuries. Now we're in the middle of just unspeakable immorality. And in a way, Jim, to your question, yes, I do see parallels. Uh, The foundation of God, the blessing of God, Mm -hmm. and then turning away from God. Uh, We're doing it. Israel did it. There's always a price to pay for unbelief, disobedience, and 
paganism. Uh, verse 7, of Je- we're in Judges chapter 10, folks, if you're just tuning in. Jim Stanley, Alex McFarlane, Exploring the Word, the Old Testament book of Judges. Verse 7 of chapter 10, it says, So the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the Ammonites. From that year they harassed and oppressed the children of Israel for 18 years. All the children of Israel who were on the other side of the Jordan in the land of the Amorites in Gilead. Moreover, the people of Ammon crossed over the Jordan to fight against Judah, also against Benjamin, and against the house of Ephraim, so that Israel was severely distressed. Uh, harassed, oppressed, distressed. You've, it's one thing, they've got pagans fighting against them, but even some uh, really oppressed, um, if not enslaved, Israelites are fighting against Israelites. Jim, there's a price to pay for turning away from God. Well, of course there is. God is a just God. And, you know, we talk about dispensations. And one of the the favorite catchphrases uh, probably the last several hundred years has been, we are in the age of grace. And I, I think that's important to understand. That's why God is not outrightly punishing us for the same sins that he did the children of Israel. But God is not mocked. And at some point, I think that we will come under oppression. And not because I'm a, uh, I'm not a Sadducee, don't misunderstand me, but it, it's one of those things that God is just, and his name's not to be mocked. So we've had all these blessings here in America, and yet we see what the children of Israel walk through. Why should we think ourselves any better than them who were the chosen people of God? Now, I know in 1 Corinthians, the, the promise is there that he won't bring us more to bear than we are able, pardon me, he won't, he won't bring us against us any more than we're bare or able to escape uh, there in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, paraphrased by Jim Stanley. Um, and we get that, but at the same time, there are things that we're going to have to walk through, aren't there? There are. Um one of my favorite uh, renderings, the RSV, the Revised Stanley Version. Mm-hmm. and I, I like the way that you handle the Word of God. I do. But um, let me read in verse 10. It says, The children of Israel cried out to the Lord, saying, We have sinned against you. I looked up that word that's translated cried out. The children of Israel cried out, and it's an interesting word. It, it is a, a cry, a call you know, a, a call for help in distress. But it's really a collective word of like a group of people that rally together. In other words, to cry out with one voice. And Jim, I, I've said this, and uh, Bert and I really believe this. And and when I was at NRB last week, I, I had the privilege, I spent a couple of hours with um, George Barna, hmm. nicest guy. And folks, you've probably heard uh, George Barna says this, the Barna Research Group, and um, very respected, you know, trend watcher and all that. But we were talking about there are 345,000 churches. I mean, that's a lot of churches. And Barna says, you know, 70 to 130 million adults are Christian. E- take the low number even, 70 million. 
And Barna says there's probably more like 100, 130 million adults have a born-again relationship with Jesus. Now, like verse 10, when they cried out in unison, begging God, saying, Lord, we've sinned, we've forsaken God and served Baal, help us. And God does help. Jim, if we, with a unified voice, and I, I know there's a lot of denominations, and that's that's okay. Mm-hmm. Some people sleep in the pews. Some people jump over them. <laughs> if, if you're a follower of Jesus, we're family. You know, absolutely. If we would pray together, and and I just want to challenge churches and groups, uh, link arms, have a have a prayer meeting together, get get together on Sunday night, different denominations, and let's intercede for our nation as Israel did for theirs. Amen. This is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. That was Dr. Alex McFarland. I'm Jim Stanley in for Bert Harper. And we'll be back in Judges, the 10th chapter, straight ahead on AFR. Edmund Burke was one of England's most famous statesmen. His adult life was spent in the realm of political philosophy. So I wasn't surprised when I read these words of his. He who wrestles with us strengthens our nerves and sharpens our skill. Our antagonist is our helper, he said. That is a perfect practical illustration of the truth expressed in Proverbs 27:17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. We need people around us who will challenge us, disagree with us, and correct us. It's one of the ways God uses to help us grow up before we grow old. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's help on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul prays that we'll be rooted and grounded in love. How do we get that way? Dr. Tony Evans says part of it depends on whether we behave like a bag or a balloon. He'll explain as we spend two minutes with Tony. If you only exist for you, if you only pray for you, if you only want God's power for you, you're not rooted and grounded in love, so you're not hanging out where God hangs out. When you go to God for something for you, tell him if he does it for you, how it will benefit somebody other than you. That's why God wants every believer to be part of a spiritual family. He wants you to be part of a spiritual family because he wants you to give an environment to express his love. And if you're building spiritual intimacy and expressing his love, you're expanding spiritual capacity. It's like blowing up a balloon. The balloon is very flat, but it's been built to expand. It's been built to take on more air and more air and more air because you're expanding capacity. God is only going to give you as much of himself as he knows you can handle. Your spiritual intimacy sets the stage and your loving expands the balloon because he knows it's not only about you. So whenever you bring being a blessing into the equation, you are now being rooted and grounded in love and not just rooted and grounded in you which means you've expanded the bloom, which means you've allowed God to do more. You have more capacity for a blessing than you realize. 
Find out more with the help of Dr. Evans' message series, Igniting Kingdom Prayer, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Now, back to the Bible study with Alex and Bert. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. American Family Radio. American Family Let Radio. Let the power of your words dwell here richly, changing the ways that I see. Fill me with otherly wisdom. Plant me deep like a tree by the stream. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Jim Stanley, Alex McFarland, so honored that you're listening. We sincerely appreciate it. We're going to continue in Judges 10. And, um, hey, jot this number down because in a few minutes we'll take calls and Bible questions. The number, if you ever want to call in with a question, is 888-589-8840. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. But i got to go back a little bit. Before I pick up there in uh, Judges 10, uh, like 12 and 13 and 14, Jim, back in Genesis 6-3, there's mm-hmm. a word that I've, I've often thought about where God said, my spirit will not strive with man forever. Right. And that's why, folks, if you're ever feeling under conviction, and, and by that we mean you're feeling drawn to the Lord, you know you need to turn to Christ, turn from sin, to Jesus. You need to do that because really, uh, while the ball is in our court and we need to put our faith in Christ, if you're feeling led to God, that's because the Holy Spirit is drawing you to God. Uh, It's not the world, the flesh, or the devil. Uh, Only the Spirit of God draws people to Jesus. Now, that being said, children of Israel cried out. They said, oh Lord, we've forsaken you. And the Lord said to the children of Israel, Did I not deliver you from the Egyptians, the Amorites, uh, the Philistines, the Sidonians, the Amalekites, the Maonites, and they oppressed you? You cried out to me, and I delivered you. Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore, I will deliver you no more. Go and cry out to the gods which you have chosen. Let them deliver you mm. in your time of distress. Jim, I would imagine that just struck terror in the hearts of the Israelites, wouldn't you think? Oh, you know, it had to because it's one of those things that we take for granted. You know, we believe that we can go to Christ anytime, and, and, and we can. Don't misunderstand that. But, you know, the children of Israel and us, a lot of times, we wait until God is our last resort. A lot of unnecessary suffering takes place because we don't want to call on God until it's too late, you know, or until everything else has been exhausted. Well, the children of Israel had become so complacent in calling out to God that he always rescued them. You know, there was always a rescue, and he didn't forsake them here either, but it was one of those things that, you know, you said... um that God's anger burned against them. Imagine the fact or or the point to where you have um, ticked off the God of creation so bad that his anger is burning against you. You know, uh, in in the New Testament, we talk about uh, being angry and sin not. Well, we're not saying God sinned, 
if there was ever, ever righteous indignation, it's here because yeah. he's watching these people. He's delivered time and time again. And they even have, you know, the, the uh, <clears throat> monuments to where God had done that. The memory stones where God had done that, that they just thought all they had to do was cry out. But can you, I just can't imagine God shutting the door and saying, nope. Yeah, I, I know that that would be just horrific. And that's why, you know, I think about uh, eternity and the, the people that die in a state of unbelief. Erwin Lutzer, we interviewed Erwin Lutzer last week, longtime mm-hmm. pastor of Moody Church. And Lutzer, some years ago, wrote a really great book called One Minute After You Die. And, and, let me say this, folks, uh, not to be morbid or scare tactics or something like that, but maybe a little bit we are. Lutzer was saying that, you know, one one minute after you die, you're into eternity, and there is no going back. If you're saved, you're in heaven, praise God. But for those that die without having trusted Christ, it's over, and it's eternal. And there is no second chance. And that's why, I mean, for for God, this merciful God of grace, like you said, the dispensation of grace, but there comes a time, and this is why in Romans 1 and 2, it says that, you know, people's uh, foolish heart was darkened and they couldn't hear God anymore. Here's the thing that, that I think is is very frightening, Jim, for God to no longer call and mm. people no longer... Th- no, they've passed beyond the point of hearing God's voice, and they're not even aware of it. You know, and there might even be somebody listening right now, and you know you need to get right with Jesus. And look, you don't. None of us, none of us, have a guarantee of tomorrow. But friend, you have this moment, and we would just beg of you: call out to Jesus, be saved, know that you've put your faith in Christ. God loves you so much. God loves you. He wants you to be forgiven and restored and bound for heaven. But um, I think, Jim, I think these stories are very instructive because they remind us that while God is love and mercy, um, he's not to be trifled with. No, absolutely not. Um, we we think of it, uh, you know, sometimes, like I said, we take it for granted, we being Christians, and I'm not saying every Christian does. Don't misunderstand that. But, you know, we think that we, and the same was true if you looked at the children of Israel. When things were going great, when everything was hunky-dory, you know, it was all good. And then they decided, well, we don't need God anymore. Let's see what these gods have to offer. Then they realize that they have messed up. And right there in... Uh, Verse 15, mm-hmm. the Israelites pleaded with the Lord and said, We have sinned. Punish us as you see fit. Only rescue us today from our enemies. One thing to note there, the children of Israel weren't dismissive of the fact that they knew they had sinned against God and they were willing to accept God's punishment, but they no longer wanted to face God's banishment. You know, we, we you were mentioning that a minute ago, that there's going to come a point that there's not another chance. You know, we've seen that already in the Bible once where the floods came, the ark was lifted up, and God shut the door. 
didn't say Noah shut the door. It said God shut the door. Right now, we may be living in the dispensation of grace, but the time's coming that God's going to cut that off. Yes. And, and go ahead. Yeah. Well, 15 and 16 says something that really kind of reminds me of a loving parent almost. The children of Israel cried out, and they said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do to us whatever seems best to you. Only deliver us this day, we pray. So they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord. So, I mean, they're they're crying out. They're repenting. Interesting, verse 16, the way it's rendered in the English, says, And his soul, in other words, the heart of Yahweh could mm-hmm. no longer endure the misery of Israel. Now, Jim, have you ever heard of a parent, let's say a parent is going to punish a disobedient child, but the, the parent says, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you, you know? Right. Um, out of love, the parent has to discipline the child, and yet it hurts the parent to see the child hurting. That's how God feels here. God is just, sin must be dealt with, but Israel is hurting they're they're in a uh, they they made their bed, and yet God is compassionate. He really is. Um, there was a book many years ago, 1978, a guy named uh, Sheldon Van Auken. He was a colleague of C.S. Lewis, and he wrote about how his uh, his newlywed bride died of cancer, but it brought him to God, and and he called his book a severe mercy. Mm-hmm. Um. Sometimes we think God might be harsh or rigid, but God is acting redemptively. And I, I love that phrase because, Jim, it's not the, the cuddly, fuzzy, touchy-feely Jesus we often see depicted. Right. God is a holy God. He always acts mercifully and redemptively. But like Van Auken wrote, sometimes it is a severe mercy, isn't it? It sure is. You know, we think about the the soul of God, the heart of God being grieved for the children of Israel. You know, we see that again in Luke 19, where Jesus wept over Jerusalem. And he said, you know, he said, would you, even you had known on this day, the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. You know, I said, there will come a time when God once again will close the door. And so we see that prophesied here from Jesus in Luke. So we, we've talked before about the redemptive thread or the scarlet thread that moves throughout the Bible. God was grieved enough for man, even from the garden, that he planned a way for their redemption, for their eternal salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. And Alex, as you've said many times during this program, we want people to come to know Christ. We don't want to scare you away from him. We don't really want to scare you, but if making you aware of what's going on scares you to move towards Christ, that I'm for it. Hmm. Yeah, right. That's right. Um, so uh, come to Jesus. But Judges 10 uh, concludes there, and we, we're going to get into Judges 11 here in a minute, and uh, there's a very interesting fellow there, but Judges 10 says that the people of Ammon gathered and the children of Israel uh, assembled together, 
The people, the leaders of Gilead, said to one another, Who is the man who will begin to fight against the people of Ammon? He shall be head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. You know, Jim, sometimes when there was a battle, a Bruin, there was kind of like this big challenge, mm-hmm. you know. Who will be the man to fight against Goliath? That was in First Samuel 17. And so they call out, Who is the man who will begin to fight against the people of Ammon? Now, there really wasn't a clear leader from Israel uh, yet, but in 11, uh, Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a mighty man of valor. Now, we saw that phrase with Gideon, a mighty man of valor. Gideon defeated the Midianites. Interesting, and here's, we mentioned this yesterday, Jeff Shambly and I, the Bible has things in it that are just so... um, forthright. Um, A lot of scholars have said this is an indication that the Bible is the Word of God, because if if humans were making a nice, tidy, clean little book just to talk about how great things are, they would have not put in warts and all. Mm -hmm. Jephthah was a mighty man of valor, Judges 11.1, but he was the son of a harlot, and Gilead begat Jephthah. And Gilead's wife bore sons. When his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Um, it's just stuff that, you know, if men were making this up, they wouldn't have put in stuff like that. I just don't think. Do you, mm-hmm. Jim? Right. I, and I agree. You know, this is another one of those cases that someone who who came from a bad situation or a humble situation at the very least is, is raised up by God to do mighty things. Yeah. So you've got the scripture referring to Jephthah as a mighty man of valor, a valor, a great warrior. However, they didn't hide the fact that he was also illegitimate because he was born not of the wife of Gilead, but of his mistress, if you will. And I I, I have to agree, Alex, that if if the Bible was just written for the highlights, they wouldn't cover some of those intimate details of a person's background. Yeah, exactly. And yet Jephthah is alluded to in Hebrews 11 in what is sometimes called the Faith Hall of Fame, you know, but he he flees, he's kicked out, just like Ishmael and Hagar are kicked out from Abraham and Sarah's house. He goes and dwells in the land of Tob, or maybe Tob, I'm not sure, T-O-B, Tob, let's call it. And worthless men banded together with Jephthah and went out raiding with him. So um, he embarks on a life of crime at this point. But... Um, He's the leaders of Gilead are going to make him a leader. And so Ammon is going to go to war with Israel. The elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. And they said, come and be our commander that we may fight against the people of Ammon. Jephthah said to the elders, did you not hate me and expel me from my father's house? Why have you come to me now when you're in distress? That's kind of like what God said back in chapter 10, isn't it? That's right. Um, now, and I'm wondering, because Jephthah had to go out and fend for himself, and he got, you know, pretty strong and pretty resourceful and tough, but they need him, 
and uh, he uh, basically says, uh, keep your word, bring me back home, and the Lord is a witness between us if we do not do according to your words. And so uh, Jephthah, I think it's like in verses 10 and 11, he's wanting to see if he can really trust them. Oh, absolutely. And and I like the rendering from the uh, New Living Translation in verse 9 there, where Jephthah said to the elders, let me get this straight. If I come with you and if the Lord gives me victory over the Ammonites, will you really make me ruler over all the people? Because, you know, just a moment ago he said, aren't you the ones that drove me away because you hated me? And now you need me to come back. But are you really going to do what you say? Interesting. Yeah. 888-589-8840. We'll take your phone calls next here on Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Thoughts of the child you were carrying keep pouring over in your mind. A deep, unrelenting sadness overshadows your days, and you wonder if you will ever feel whole again. There is hope and healing from a reproductive loss. Call the International Helpline, 866-482-LIFE, and talk with someone who has been where you are. Your call is confidential, and we will help you find healing. 866-482-LIFE. The Middle East, that's one part of the world we need to pay attention to, especially the country of Israel. Each week, I'll help you make sense of what's happening in that region through a biblical lens. I'll bring you important information about security threats, archaeological discoveries, biblical prophecy, ministries happening on the ground, and much more. I'm John Riley. Join me for the Middle East Report Special Edition every Saturday at 6.30 p.m. Central on American Family Radio as I connect you to the people, places, and geography of what we read in God's Word. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. Well, on Friday on our spiritual heritage tour of Washington, D.C., we go to the Arlington National Cemetery where we see the changing of the guard at the tomb of the unknown soldier. What a powerful, inspirational ceremony that we see while we're in our nation's capital at the Arlington National Cemetery. In addition, we see all the sites you've read about your entire life and heard about in America's capital, Washington, D.C. So we're going there in June and September as part of our spiritual heritage tour. We're also going to Colonial Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown on a separate tour. You can do both if you want to. For all the information on these tours, which are filling up fast, go to spiritualheritagetours.com. That's spiritual heritagetours.com for all the information on the tours. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. My name is Abraham Hamilton III and this is the Hamilton Minute. The world we live in likes to emphasize emotions. Our government educational system is riddled with social-emotional learning. Our young people are being indoctrinated into the notion that feeling is synonymous with thinking. All of this undergirds an unbiblical understanding of compassion. The world cultivates the notion of simply feeling our way through life, but biblical compassion is responsive and active. Jesus was moved with compassion 
it compelled him to teach many things. Biblical compassion moves us to action. Compassion teaches. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. Ephesians 1, verse 11. American Family Radio. Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland and along with Jim Stanley. And we're going to take questions. If you've never called in, maybe you want to be a first-time caller today. The number is 888-589-8840 with your Bible questions. And also, kudos to Brent Austin for looking after the Facebook page. And we've got a growing uh, group of people that interact with us, and Brent posts things. So if you haven't liked us on Facebook yet, uh, go there and tell somebody about Exploring the Word, and we appreciate all of the enthusiasm for the show. And Jim, I, I just want to say on behalf of Bert and myself, we appre- appreciate you filling in for us uh, regularly, and uh, you bring a lot to the table, brother. Well, you're very kind, and it's always a joy for me to do this. I, I've enjoyed it for years and hopefully continue to enjoy it for many more. Last week was kind of funny, though. Uh, Alex, because last Monday I could not talk my way out of a uh, paper bag. I mean, it was just, it was horrible. And so you, uh, I, I hurt for you. You sounded like you <laughs> had a, a really sore throat. I did. And so uh, we got the program going and then uh, the guest came in and, and you were able to come in by, uh, from here in the studio in Tupelo. Yeah. And so I just eased my way out of that. You know, that was one train wreck we didn't need. But then on Tuesday, God was providential. And in his grace, unfortunately for Ed Battagliano, he had trouble with his hotel room. Mm. And so since part of my responsibility at NRB was making sure everybody had uh, rooms, I went down to there and I told Bert that he would need to go ahead without me. And so... You know, the Lord just kept folks from having to hear my garbage voice. And oh, even on a good day, it's rough. But last week was rough especially. So, you know, you mentioned, and we do want to get to the phone calls, but you mentioned coming into the program that there were a lot of people, uh, some good friends that you have, that were at NRB last week and began to show symptoms. And, you know, part of it could been have been from the flood that took place there. Part of it could be from the flora that we're not uh, exposed to every day, uh, you know, because that's like a big terrarium, basically. A lot of tropical plants. A lot of tropical plants. So do me a favor, if you would. Would you pray for those men of God and women of God who were there last week that the Lord would bring them through? Amen. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God who hears prayer, and the Bible says you are the God who heals us. And Lord, I'm I'm just thinking about Tim Barton right now and Jerry Newcomb and a lot of our friends, uh, Warren Smith, the journalist, who just got really, really sick after NRB. And thank you that Jim 
uh, Stanley has his voice back. And Lord, I do pray for healing. And all of those ministries, like there were 3,000 people and hundreds of ministries, uh, AFA among them. Lord, just breathe power from your Holy Spirit. Mm. Raise us all up to proclaim the gospel to the world. And Lord, we know you're coming back one day. And until we see you face to face, keep us holy, healthy, diligent, fruitful, and Lord, help us to live so that the world would hear of Jesus, your Son, our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let's go to the phones now. We're going to talk to Jacqueline, uh, calling from Mississippi. Jacqueline, good afternoon. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. I'm really enjoying the program today. And, of course, I also will pray uh, for healing for everyone. We are experiencing that in our church as well. And But we know God is able and God will do what he always promised us he was due. But my question today is I was studying my Sunday school lesson for next week. I want to know if Judas Iscariot, did, what, did he have chance to ask for forgiveness, or will he go straight to hell, or did he repent? Jacqueline, that's a great question. Alex, you know, we hear that one from time to time, and there are varying opinions uh, as to where Judas will wind up, uh, because we don't know if the the time that he went and hung himself, if if between the time he, you know, jumped off the stool, if there was time to repent or, you know, um, but Alex, in in your studies, what have you found? Uh, and we don't want to condemn any man to hell. Don't misunderstand sure. me, uh, because only God knows the heart. But uh, what do you think about that? Well, uh, you're right. I, I mean, only God knows another man's heart. Uh, I think, based on what we know from Scripture, uh, we will not see Judas in heaven, mm. uh, because you know Jesus called him the son of perdition. But in Acts 1, verse 24, uh, after Judas hung himself, um, in the English it'll say, he went to his place. And you might say, well, what place was that? Literally in the Greek, though, Acts 1, 24, Judas committed suicide, and he went to his rightful place. Mm. That's what the text says. Now, Jesus had said, woe to the one who betrays the Savior, it would be better that he would never have been born. And uh, so, um, you know, the final judgment of all souls is God's job, not ours. But I think based on what we know from Scripture, Judas was lost. I mean, he he betrayed Jesus. He did not believe Jesus mm-hmm. was the Savior. He sold out Jesus. Um, so, um, and, and let me just say this, too, briefly. Uh, if Judas went to hell, and I think he did, it wasn't because he committed suicide only, although that is a sin. Um, it was because he died without having a relationship to the Messiah, mm. which he could have had. Right. Amen. All right, let's talk to Joshua. Calling from Joshua, the letters are too small for me to see. Where are you calling from? Georgia, sir. And I think... I think the enemy might be trying to hide the letters in disguise because he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to know who's calling. Just kidding. <laughs> Go ahead, brother. Hey, I got a quick let me get to comment. I was listening to Eric Metaxas the other day on a program. He says people are waking up. I think, it's, and if that's true, I, 
I think I think in the next two or three years, we might see a move of God. I mean, we've already seen bits and pieces here and there, but it takes a while, you know? It doesn't just happen overnight, you know? Yeah, so, that that's true. Also, um, uh, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, 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 oh, no, that's fine. I actually need to ask you, right, um, I'm trying to witness, I was witnessing this, this guy, I, I, I don't even know where my head was that day, because like I forgot everything I knew. That happens to me sometimes. Um, when I get asked, but anyway, um, Plenty the Younger, I don't know if you gave that source to me or someone else did. I mentioned him, and he said it was a forgery. How do I dispute when people say, oh, this was a forgery, that was a forgery? And also, Alex, can I ask you something? I normally wouldn't do this, but is there a way you and I could communicate through email or something? So I need some tips and pointers. I'm desperate here. I feel like every time I fail of someone, I fail God. And I feel like I might be responsible for that that man's soul if I don't give him all the right answers. Mm. Hmm. Well, God bless you. You know, you can uh, email me word at afr.net, W-O-R-D, word at AFR, as in AmericanFamilyRadio.net. Uh, anybody can send us an email, and I'd, I'd be happy to hear from you. Um, l- let me say this in answer to this question. Um one of the great scholars that we have had on the program before is, and there are many I could name, but I'll just name one, Gary Habermas, H-A-B-E-R-M-A-S. And Gary Habermas has written extensively on ancient evidence for the life of Christ. And there are some scholars like Josephus and Pliny, the younger. Pliny was this Roman lawyer, and he was a politician, and he was a, an eyewitness of the uh, explosion at Mount Vesuvius, and and he wrote a lot of things, and his records are very, you know, trustworthy. Well, uh, Josephus, Suetonius, um, a lot of these guys that were Jewish, Greek, and Roman writers, they reference the life of Jesus. Now, atheists hate this because, all right, we've got the New Testament that tells us all about Jesus, and the New Testament is trustworthy. But then when you've got Jewish, Greek, and Roman sources that were really hostile to that early emerging Christianity, and yet they were eyewitnesses, they reference Pilate, the crucifixion, they reference the empty tomb, they reference that Christians by, you know, late 32-33 AD were worshiping on Sunday morning, getting up before sunrise, singing hymns to Christ as to God. I mean, basically all of the gospel that we still preach to this day is not only set forth in the New Testament, but documented by Jewish, Greek, and Roman sources that were certainly no friends of the church. This is, from a historical standpoint, very powerful. And one of the um, sources that we learn about from around 61 AD is Pliny, this Roman politician and historian. Now, what do we say to the atheists who say, oh, that was a forgery? Well, yeah, anybody on a blog site can say anything. But you've got some of the greatest historians of the last 200 years, one of whom is a real hero of mine, Will Durant. He wrote this 12-volume set called The History of Civilization. Um, the short answer is this. Credible historians 
that are professional historians, uh, past and present. Arnold Toynbee, Will Durant, Mike Lacuna, Gary Habermas. They believe Pliny is authentic. They believe Joseph. And one last thing, because in this conversation, very often atheists love to say, well, uh, Josephus is not authentic. The gr- Wikipedia tells us the greatest living Josephus scholar was uh, uh, Louis Feldman. He was Jewish. He, as far as we know, he was not a believer. He died a couple of years ago. And he says the Josephus references to Jesus are authentic to the text. Mm. Here's the thing. You can trust your Bible, and you can trust the early historians that document the life of Christ and his Messiahship as well. Uh, Jim, I I think this is compelling evidence that we need to trust what we know about Jesus, the risen Savior. Absolutely. And Joshua, one other thing you had mentioned uh, that you were afraid your witnessing may cause someone to stumble or that you may be preventing the work of the Lord. Brother, that's not your job. Let me help relieve you of that. It is your job to be a witness. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But it's because of the redemptive power of the blood of the Lamb and the regenerative power of the Holy Spirit that that person will come to know Christ. If you made a misstep or if you made a mistake, God will put someone else in their place. You know, uh, we're told that one watered, another uh, one planted, one watered, another reaped the harvest. You may have been your job to water that day. Uh, So continue to be the witness that you feel like God calls you to be, but don't take responsibility for everything because Jesus died for our salvation, not us as individuals. Amen. Uh, Well said, brother. Let's talk to Diana calling from Kentucky. I moved the screen closer to me so I can see the letters. (laughs) Diana, welcome (laughs) to Exploring the Word. Hello. Um, I do have a question about the deception of aliens. Um, last um, couple of nights ago, we, my children and I witnessed a bright light about 2 a.m., and that was the first thing that they thought of. It ended up being a meteorite. Um, so how do I battle that deception that they've already got planted in their head as it being aliens? Wow. Yeah, you know, there was. I saw it in the news. There was this big meteorite, and I forget the, na- the scientific name. But there was a, this meteorite that came into our atmosphere, and there was a long streak of light that was seen across several states, and it was in the news, and that might have been what you saw. And, and a, a meteorite burning up as it, re-enters our atmo- as it enters our atmosphere, I mean, that's kind of a natural phenomenon. But, you know, I will tell you, I, I do think that some of what people think are UFOs uh, some have natural explanations, but uh, maybe satellites or something like that. But Jim, I really do think there is demonic deception. Mm. And let me let me just say this: some of the things that people have caught on film uh, absolutely defy the laws of physics. And I've read articles, scientists trying to explain UFOs, and they'll say. Um, the, the way this thing moved or darted about, and some of the, the feelings and just the dark, heavy oppression people have felt after having seen some of these UFOs, mm. they said it defies natural explanation. 
It might be supernatural. Here's the thing, folks. Uh, saturate yourself in God's Word. Don't get an unhealthy interest in the paranormal. I mean, I know, look, there, there are demons, there are things. But, Jim, here's the weird thing, and I don't want to scare anybody, but if you take interest in the supernatural, it seems like the supernatural will take an interest in you. Yeah. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your ears attuned to His voice. And by that, I mean the Bible. I know all that stuff is out there. Don't go pursuing it. Uh, Amen. Stay with Christ. Margaret, do me a favor. Now, Diana, we appreciate your call. Margaret, send us a question to word at AFR.net. Word at AFR.net because we're not going to get to your phone call today. Folks, I want you to do me a favor. My good friend Alex McFarland has all kinds of resources available as well as when he can be available to come to your church at alexmcfarland.com, alexmcfarland.com. Alex, thanks for letting me hang out with you. Thank you, brother. God bless you. And thanks, everybody, for listening to Exploring the Word. Hey, keep your radio, your mobile device tuned to the American Family Radio Network. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. Faith, Family, Freedom, American Family Radio. So I found a dress for the party. Awesome. Not really. I went to try it on, but Emma, there was a man in there. A man? I told customer service, but they said... It's our policy. What? Target allows men into women's restrooms and changing areas. The American Family Association is calling for a boycott of Target until they reverse this misguided policy. Sign the pledge at AFA.net. This is American Family Radio, a listener-supported ministry of the American Family Association. American Family News, I'm Robert Thornton. Both parties are holding primary elections in Michigan.